Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. So Ben just returned from a four-night cruise to Bermuda, but not just any cruise. He's fresh off the boat on Carnival Venezia's very first cruise from North America. It left New York City last Thursday, went to Bermuda, came back two days at sea. Ben joins us on the line. Hey, Ben. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Nice to be here. Yeah, why the heck did what made you want to book the, the you just did a 15 night transatlantic cruise and then you were on the transatlantic cruise and what did you say? What the hell, let's just book the, the next cruise as well? Yeah, exactly. You know, I I had never never done the 4 day afterwards uh, or any of the 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 cruises after a transatlantic before. So I figured I would uh try to do that and and be able to stay on and 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 enjoy the first the first trip after. Well, that and those guests too got to get the uh little invite to the christening party, right? Yeah, that was a little, that was a little incentive and a little reason to want to go as well as to be able to go to the uh, christening party and, and see Jay Leno perform and see the naming ceremony. How is Leno alive? I haven't seen him in years. Uh, it was good. It was good. You know, he, his, his, uh, his demographic is, I think, um, perfect for who was at the naming ceremony. I don't think he's generally writing jokes for the Gen Z crowd, um, probably wouldn't it be as popular for the crowd that was on the four day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he would have, he would have been very, very, uh, very, uh, well off had he been on the 15 day and, and performed to that crowd. And on that cruise comedy was sold out every single day. There was lines all the way back to casino. I don't know where you were sitting during the christening ceremony. We'll get to the ship in a second, but I didn't realize like how approachable, Leno is like we he was just standing there doing selfies with everyone anyone could have walked up with to him and said uh, hey can I get a picture he's like yeah sure and did a little selfie with him I was like wow this guy's pretty cool yeah yeah he uh he'd done stuff with Carnival before but you know he wasn't somebody who was a you know huge cruiser I, I think he had mentioned in some interviews this is he'd never been on a cruise but you know when he's there and he's doing an event I think he seems very very low key and just there to, you know, support the team and, 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 and whatever the team needs, including, you know, hanging out, taking photos. So let's talk about your embarkation process. You stayed uh, out by JFK because you weren't originally planning on taking this cruise. You had to make your way to the Manhattan cruise terminal, Pier 88. So logistically, how did you get to the terminal from JFK airport and how was the embarkation process? Um, I just took a, a cab uh, out from JFK airport to the terminal um, I, I could have taken the subway, which actually goes fairly close, but with all the bags, not something I wanted to do. Um, embarkation went pretty well. Um, it was a fairly long line, but it was moving very quickly. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And I didn't get there right away. By the time I got there, there was no wait to board the ship. As soon as you were checked in, you boarded. Are they doing the, uh, like the check-in times there, like 11 to 1130? And then if so, what if you showed up early or late? They were, they were supposed to, the signs did say they had signs out there for early and late. Um, and I actually did arrive during my window, but when I got there, there was just one long line. So I think in theory, but that theory went out the door a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 
So you make your way on Venezia. What were your first impressions? I know you just got off of it sailing 15 nights across, but regardless, what were they? I mean, the same energy, you know, when, when you get on, especially a brand new ship like this, uh, an inaugural, all the, all the crew are out there with their signs. So that, that was the same. Um, the atrium bar surely was packed. So the atrium bar was packed for the right away. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it just is amazing for me. Boarding a ship every time is, is just the same as the first time. It's, it's, there's just that rush of adrenaline as you're walking down the gangway to board the ship and the same thing here. Now, I know the Vista class ships has that big uh, LED dreamscape right in the center. And this is, I guess, a hybrid of a Vista class. They're calling it the Venice class because it has a couple of different, a couple of changes here and there, but there's no LED dreamscape, is there? No, no dreamscape. It does uh, model the Piazza de San, or Piazza, uh, San Marco, I believe it's called, which is an actual plaza in Venice. And in the very center, there's a kind of a column, like a marble looking column with the Lion of Venice on the very top um, in, the, in the center there. So that's what replaces the dreamscape. So you go to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? Also want to know, like, what is different on these staterooms? What kind of adjustments did they do? Because this was made for the carnival, uh, for the China market, rather. So were the rooms a little more elevated when the ship rolled out for China than it would have been, say, for North America at its time? Um, I don't I don't know if. It was it was definitely elevated. I don't know if it was elevated because of the market it went to, or it was elevated just because it was Costa. I have not seen any other Costa ships to really have that comparison to know. You know, like for exact example, the Smeralda, which we saw when we were in Barcelona. I don't know if it's as elevated, being a non-Chinese market ship. So I don't. It, it definitely was elevated from Carnival. I don't know where that that differentiation was. Um, I had an ocean view cabin and the. Uh, Ocean View was great. It was actually I had because I had booked last minute, as we said, um, I had done a guarantee, just an upper lower guarantee, which means I could basically get any cabin left on the ship. And I ended up with an Ocean View, so a pretty good, pretty good gamble um, on that one. Uh, my cabin was actually on deck three. If you go, if you know where guest services is, um, right behind guest services is a small door, and down there is a guest hallway with maybe about fifteen Ocean View cabins. And I think it quickly became my favorite cabin on the ship due to the location. It's right there in deck three. It was quiet. We didn't hear any of the noise from the atrium, but it was so accessible to get to your cabin, to get out to the ship, to the atrium, not having to worry about elevators for anything. So I really, really enjoyed the location of that cabin. But you're right under the theater at that point, right? You are. And and, and it's on the sides. And I thought I might hear something. Um, to be fair, I'm not in my cabin usually when the shows are going on. Mm-hmm. So I did not hear anything. You know, the, the, they're usually done in the main theater by 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So if you're an early sleeper, you might hear something. Um, but by the time I was going to bed, I didn't hear any noise in the in the cabin. How were the staterooms different or laid out compared to like Carnival, Panorama, Vista, or Horizon? The biggest thing you're going to notice in the bathroom is the glass door. So the Excel class, if you've done Mardi Gras Celebration, you remember that was the big selling point um, for those for those ships was to have a glass door in the shower. And there is a glass door. It is shaped differently. It's kind of shaped like uh, it's that kind of curved shape like the old um, curtain was that you're used to in Panorama Horizon. But instead of having just the cheap curtain, it is like a nice big glass door that closes behind you. So um, that's the biggest difference there. Uh, in the stateroom, we did have USB-C, which I don't recall the panorama even having. Interestingly, my Terraza cabin that I had on the on the transatlantic did not have USB-C. So I don't know if they retrofitted that as part of this 
dry dock and maybe they missed some cabins or why certain cabins had it and don't. I'm not sure why I couldn't get to the bottom of that. Um, the decor is beautiful. It's all dark wood. And in that bathroom, again, you're not going to have that green molded sink. It's a nice actual wooden, whatchamacallit, that you put a sink on. I can't think right now, but the, all the furniture is there. So it's, it, none of it is, is, uh, is kind of that cheap plastic that you're used to on some of the other ships. Um, beautiful mural, um, all Italian mural, murals behind the bed. Um, interestingly, they did not pull out the Chinese power outlet that is um, that was in one of the power strips. So there's two U.S. 120 volt power. There's a European 240 volt and a Chinese 240 volt. So if you have any power adapters that have a, a Chinese adapter, you can certainly use that as long as your equipment supports 240 volt. You don't want to fry it, but that gives you access to one more power outlet if you if you have an adapter for that one. Yeah, I thought the sink was interesting because normally, uh, as you were saying, it, it actually has four legs. And normally the carnival sinks are like a fiberglass mold, right? That blue color. Um, yeah. But these are yep. actually, uh, like a legit sink, which I thought was cool, like a freestanding sink. I know kind of a small thing, but something you're not used to seeing if you have cruised carnival quite a bit. Yeah, freestanding sink, um, freestanding Kleenex box, um, which is nice. I tend to end up, as you can hear my voice, I tend to get just a cold uh, on every cruise, and this was long before COVID. I just, on long cruises especially, um, I just get some some head cold, and it's nice that I can actually pick up a box and you know bring it into the into the cabin if I want. So it was yeah. nice to have that as well. Well, let's talk about the dining on this cruise. We'll start at the top at the Lido Deck Marketplace. How was the buffet, and how was it laid out up there? Uh, the buffet was nice. I, it's laid out very similarly to any of the other Vista class. And I, if you look at the decor in there, it, it's actually very, very, very similar to what you'd see like on Vista Horizon or Panorama. Um, probably one of the places that I think had the least amount of changes between the ships. So you've kind of got your two, your forward buffet lines and you got your aft buffet lines. And depending on the time of day and when they're switching from one service to the, to the other, one set or another set might be open. You do have the deli inside. In the back, you've got pizza as well. Um, just like the other ships, it's no longer open 24 hours. It is open until about 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Uh, you've got the seafood shack in the back. Um, the one thing that I found interesting in this Lido that I don't recall having been around for quite a while is they did have that um, midnight buffet, mm -hmm. which ran from about midnight to 1.30 every morning. And that had a lot of your um, drunk after club favorites like hot dogs, pizza, chicken nuggets, or chicken tenders, um, stuff like that. And, and I thought that was nice. And I think it also probably took a little bit of the pressure off pizza when that was the only place you could go get food after you're done, you know, drinking and going out for the night. Um, now you've got two options. So it wasn't too bad to wait to get food if you wanted to get that last minute bite in. Now, the ship also has a couple of new additions. Of course, we'll get to the bars in a moment, but there's also a new Italian restaurant. It's not Cucina del Capitano. It's called, is it Il Vaggio? El Viaggio, yeah. yeah. And how was that? Um, it's, it's great. I think over the two cruises, I went there four or five times. The food is fantastic. Um, it's a it's a little bit expensive. It's forty two dollars. It's priced almost as much as the steakhouse. Um, personally, if it was just a little bit cheaper, it'd make me want to go more than once on a cruise. Um, I think I went more than once just because after so many days, the dining room just doesn't seem as appetizing anymore. Um, the food is great. The, the one thing I did learn. And, and I noticed this really more. I, I went the embarkation day, and then I think I went the day before we got off. And when I went embarkation day, I went early in the evening. I, I think it ate around 6 p.m. 
And uh, El Viaggio also has kids for $10. And I'll tell you that first day, it was just like a Chuck E. Cheese in there with kids screaming and yelling and, and playing. Um, and I, I kind of get that in a cucina, which is more of a family style, but this is kind of billed as a fancier Italian restaurant. And that was a little bit off-putting. Uh, when I went the last day, didn't hear or see any kids like that. So maybe it's just a thing to, to, to be aware of on embarkation day when people wanting to try out a new restaurant like that. Um, but for an upscale restaurant, having a, a, a kid's rate that is especially so much cheaper than the main rate just seemed a little bit off for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how about the main dining room? Of course, you have your two dining rooms. The back one is two decks. The mid one is just one deck. Of course, the one to look at is the aft dining room with that big gondola in the back. Uh, what dining room did you have? Or I guess I should say, what time dining did you have? And how was your experience in the main dining room? Um, normally, I am a, a late dining person. This time, just with the flexibility, I ended up doing your time dining. And part of the reason that we that that I did that was I wanted to eat in that aft dining room with the gondola. So they put the your time back there. Um, that dining room is beautiful. They're both beautiful in their own ways. And not only the gondola, but if you if you turn around just 180 degrees from the gondola, and they have the stairway from the deck three to the deck four, and the way it's lit is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the the dining room is beautiful. Um, it does not feel very large. One of the kind of negative things that I had noticed on the Excel class with the Cucina or the Chebang, because they're so big, they almost feel like a food hall. This definitely does not have that kind of feeling. There's a lot of walls. There's a lot of kind of open windows in the walls. It feels very much like a much more private experience, like almost like you're in a cafe or on a, on a sidewalk in Venice. So very different um, feel. I think the upper deck is also a little bit larger um, where it's uh, on the Vista and the horizon, it's kind of just the upper is uh, around the outside and it's open in the middle. This one is not as open in the middle. And I think that's to um, counter the fact that they're taking up a lot of floor space for walls and architecture that they normally would be putting tables. Um, but as for the dining room, the food was fantastic. Um, especially with an inaugural with everything coming online sometimes you expect it to maybe be a little bit of miss when it comes to the food but from day one um, even leaving barcelona the food was fantastic the food quality so that's definitely a kudos to the to the chef and his team on the ship that they have always nailed the quality of the food um, from the first day carnival is doing it and it's even on the side of the ship it says carnival fun italian style is what this like product is that they the ship they got from costa how much italian style is influenced through the food and throughout the ship yeah there's definitely i mean the the architecture is very italian so that's the first thing you notice is the italian architecture everywhere from the piazza san marco when you first enter through the gondola lounge on deck five you definitely feel like you are in Italy and they've done a uh, fantastic job with doing that. Um, they, they do have Italian favorites on all of the menus every night. So that's kind of cool. So you do have a couple new things, a couple things I think are things that they had on the menu that were Italian. They just never labeled it. They now have kind of a little Italian flag next to them. And I think we're going to see more of those type of things, um, with the new menus coming out with Carnival as well, where they're pulling things from like El Viaggio, pulling things from Gigi and putting it on the menu. So they had a couple things that were like El Viaggio favorites or samplers on the menu. Um, so you definitely see it there. They have a new playlist show that takes place up on Lido. That's very Italian. Um, 
even the first formal night, the normally it's the captain's toast is a masquerade ball. And they do sell masks in the gift shop if you didn't bring one with. So you definitely do get the Italian vibe uh, throughout this cruise. And then, of course, you have Guy's Burger joint, and they renamed the uh, Blue Iguana Cantina. Is it Tomadero? Tomadoro. Tomadoro, yep. And and that one's interesting because it's, it's, they, they call it a, a fusion, I think, but it basically is everything you had at Blue Iguana. I don't think you lose any of Blue Iguana, plus a couple other things. So they have, um, in the morning, I actually don't know if they've added anything, but for lunch, they have a couple Italian sandwiches that you can get that are pre-made. Guy's Burger also has a couple new Italian-themed burgers. There's the Super Melty Moots, and then there's the Pizza Burger at, at Guy's that are new. And the last food venue I want to t- touch on here is on deck five on, or I guess the outside decks carnival always has um, that guy's barbecue, but there's not a guy's barbecue on here, but they replaced it with, is it like an Italian street food stall or something? Kind of. Yeah. It's La Strada grill and they have a couple of the favorites from guys. Um, some of them with a twist, so they still have the Mac and cheese there. Um, they have a couple of new salads. They've got a quinoa salad that's really good. They have a couple different sandwich options, and they rotate it too. So if you have more than one sea day on your trip, you'll see different options there. Sometimes they'd have a minute steak. Sometimes it was chicken. Um, they have sausage just like they used to do uh, at Guy's, but now they're usually Italian sausages with tomatoes and other stuff thrown in. So it, it is kind of a twist of what you're used to with that sea day barbecue um, with some Italian flair uh, put into it. Okay. Now, how was the entertainment on this four-night cruise? I know it's very different than from your 15-night cruise, but like I picture, or I saw some pictures, rather, of the comedy club lines were quite long. I don't often go to comedy on the ship, but I don't remember ever seeing lines this long on other ships for comedy. And I, even for the transatlantic, the, the comedy lines were very long. And I think part of that is they've done a, a great job of booking great comedians um, on these ships. Um, I had the chance to, when I was uh, sitting at a bar one night, to uh, meet one of the comedians and chat with them. Seemed like a really nice guy. So, uh, so I think they're they're doing a real good job um, with comedy on the on the um, transatlantic. We had uh, Caroline Picard was on board. She's always been a carnival favorite, and she was on board for the transatlantic. So, yeah, I think they've really been um, nailing the comedy recently on their ships. Isn't there a point though where, and again, I'm not involved with onboard operations i'm just kind of sitting back and thinking like isn't there a point where okay the line is going back into the casino let's just put these late night shows in the main show theater like why wouldn't that be a thing right yeah and i don't know i don't know why they wouldn't um you know definitely i think people want to get up there you know especially in the transatlantic people love to get in line they just do so and they wanted to be early um i myself did not notice any of the lines on the four day and i just only because i wasn't down there not mm-hmm. because they didn't happen i don't think i just happened to walk by at that point um and and part of the reason i avoided that area on this ship um the smoking in the casino is is pretty brutal if you're a non-smoker mm-hmm. um the panorama and horizon i think have pretty good ionizing scrubbers you could kind of smell the ionized air down there i never smelled that on this ship so while they do have a non-smoking casino the rest of deck four all the way up to atrium and all the way back to almost the main dining room just smells very heavily of smoke 
Um, and I think it was worse on the four day and, um, you know, you're supposed to be actively playing on a machine to smoke. And I don't believe that was being policed. And part of that is I don't know who they rely on to police that. I hope it's not the housekeeping staff. I hope they, you know, actually have members of the casino team who would try to enforce that. But Mm -hmm. I just saw a lot of people walking around the casino openly smoking, which in it, 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 as a non-smoker made it pretty brutal to be down there. And like the other Vista class ships, they, they have removed the bar out of the casino. Correct. Yep. It is just a service bar. Um, so the bar servers are wandering around um, both in the annex and in the main uh, casino. Um, so you can always flag them down and get a drink. A uh, few people kept trying to, you know, basically stand at the door to where the service bar is, but definitely don't do that because they're not supposed to serve you directly from that door. So, but you always see bar servers walking around. So it should never be an issue getting a drink. Um, the, the only challenge is, is, late at night if once everything closed between midnight and one i think one night frizzante was actually open till after one because they were the last bar on the ship and everybody flocked there and they just couldn't close um but after all the main bars close your only options are nightclub which has a very poor bar because it's that thing on wheels that they bring in mm-hmm. there or the service bar to casino so there's not a whole lot of late night places to drink on this ship or really any of the, the Vista class ships after midnight, one o'clock. Okay. Now how about music around the ship outside of like the playlist production shows, any bands or acoustic soloists? Yep. So uh, Reggie was on board from the Philippines. And if you've ever sailed on the inaugural season of Mardi Gras or Panorama, you've had the, sorry, Mardi Gras or Celebration, you've had the um, pleasure of hearing her. And she always draws a huge crowd uh, wherever she goes. She was playing in both Gondola and in uh, Plaza San San Marco, which is the atrium, um, depending on the day and her schedule. Um, They also had the violin trio. Um, They had another couple and I, I don't know. It, it was a new combination for me. So it was a duo. Um, this one, I think one was playing cello, I believe, and one was on keyboard. And I didn't listen to them much just because of conflicting schedules, not because they weren't amazing, because they were. And I heard great things. I just never got to sit in there a whole lot with them. Um, so we've, we had them. The show band was great. The, the music on board was phenomenal. The entertainment was definitely uh, great uh, for the ship couple of new bars as well i mean there's the same alchemy space is there but it's kind of revamped and then there's the frizzante bar you pronounced it right yes frizzante what are those bars like now that it's not called the alchemy bar and can you still get alchemy drinks there and then uh, second what is the frizzante bar about Yep. So the Amari bar is the replacement for Alchemy. They do have half the menu being some of the Alchemy drinks. You can still get your cucumber sunrise, a couple other drinks like that. Um, But then the other half is these Amari type drinks. And Amaro, um, which is the singular version of Amari, means bitter in Italian. So Amari is a type of liqueur. There's different types of Amaris. And they all have a kind of bitter, earthy flavors. They're definitely made for like a digestif, like an after-dinner type drink. Um, They weren't as popular, I think, because generally Americans like their sweet, fruity drinks, and they're definitely not that. But once you kind of get to learn them and understand when to drink them and how they work, um, they're really good. I had the fortune of being one of the 
first 12 people to take the new Amari class on board because it's not the alchemy class. They It's similar. They teach you some of that stuff, but then they go into all the different Amaris and we got to taste the different Amaris and, and, and understand, you know, the different flavors and, and everything. Um, so they are very interesting. Um, to me, if you're going to have an Amari drink, that's like an after dinner drink. You know, I could probably drink five cucumber sunrises. I probably would only have one Amari drink after dinner and then switch to something else. Um, but yeah, it's a great bar. Um, I guess you can't call them alchemists anymore, but the the bartenders or the mixologists there are, are all great. They're all you know from alchemy bars and other ships, so they can uh, and they can still go off menu for you a little bit. So they can still work on different types of drinks. Um, so you can get it all at Amari. Um, as for Frizzante, this bar is right outside El Biaccio. And um, if you're familiar with the Vista Horizon Panorama, this whole space is where the guys pig and anchor would be on Horizon and Panorama or the uh, the uh, Red Frog Pub on Vista. So the El Viaggio would be kind of more where the, the seating area is, the dining area, and then Frizzante's where the bar would be. So this replaces the uh, Red Frog Pub and the um, Pig and Anchor on those ships. And it's great. It is a, um, they have great espresso martinis. So back in the other ships, if you wanted espresso martini, you'd have to bring espresso yourself, go to the Alchemy Bar, they'd make you an espresso martini. Now, every bar except Amari has an espresso machine because it is Italian, and they have five different um, espresso martinis that they can make there for you. They're also a spritz bar, so they've got a uh, Frizzante spritz, they've got a the famous Aperol spritz, um, and they've got about three or four other spritzes to try. Um, one of the... Uh, most popular things they had there was a limoncello mojito and that was so popular that they ran out of mint leaves very, very, very quickly. Wow. So that was definitely a crowd favorite on Frizzante, but also another great bar, uh, great bartenders, just a great venue. Um, generally it, it's funny because this bar was very popular on the transatlantic, um, much less popular on the four day to the, to the point of where the um, atrium bar would have lines three deep. Um, on embarkation day and on the last day and Frizzante would be almost dead because either people hadn't found it or, you know, they're just looking for shots, things like that. And they're not looking for a spritz or an espresso martini. And then a couple more bars I want to hit before we move on here. Um, so on the back of the ship, it's normally the Havana bar on that Vista class, but it's something else now. And how has the Havana area changed from the previous three ships? Yep, that would be the Carnavale or Carnaval. I think it's pronounced Carnavale Bar and Lounge back there. Um, similar to Havana, they also do espresso martinis like Frizzante, but their specialty is Bellinis. So they have about five or six different Bellinis that you can try. Um, and it's usually a very early bar in the morning, so it's a perfect bar for the Bellini bar because it's open, I think, at usually 7 or 8 in the morning. It's, it's really the first bar that opens up. So um, it is exclusive. The back area, just like Havana, is exclusive where you have to have the wristband. Um, and on sea days, until about 10 a.m., I believe, to even get to the bar area, you have to have a wristband because they do have breakfast back there. Um, that breakfast is the same kind of continental breakfast that you may find in Ocean Plaza or on this ship they call Gondola Lounge or other areas. So they've got croissants. Um, they've got muffins. Orange juice, things like that. It's not a you know big, uh, big thing, but they do have that back there. And you're supposed to be a, a terraza guest, which is what they're they're branding the Havana back there. You're supposed to be a terraza guest to have access to that. But it's just nice to have to to be able to come down there, 
find that food and not have to wait in lines and be able to get breakfast. Um, so the, the big difference with Terraza outside Havana is it does not have a pool. It has a lot more seating where the pool would be, but it does not have, not have a pool like the Havana area did. And also, uh, while we're all, I'm kind of all over the map here, but on her um, the Terraza area, you were telling me that on the sailing, you got like a special, was like a sea day brunch, but it wasn't in the main dining room? Correct. Um, for the Terraza guests, you do get one complimentary sea day steakhouse brunch, and they will actually come through. So one of the neatest things about Terraza, especially sailing under New York, the neatest thing is being able to sit back there in that area for the sail away party. So they have a sail away party. They bring the DJ back there, and I'm not sure you need DJ hits in the middle of this supposedly elevated area. That kind of seemed weird to me. But just having access to this beautiful area as you're sailing by. So on the port side, you're going to have World Trade Center. You're going to have Empire State Building. You know, All of Manhattan is going to be on the port side of the ship. And then as you come around, uh, basically, as you're exiting the Hudson River and you're going towards um, the bridge, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, on the starboard side, you're going to have the Statue of Liberty right there. So the views of Terraza are um, absolutely phenomenal. And then while you're doing that, they will have a couple of the steakhouse waiters come by and basically pick or work with you to select a time for a sea day brunch I believe between 11 and one or two on one of your sea days. And that brunch was fantastic. Um, they had your standard steak and eggs. They had a calzone kind of going back to that, a fun Italian style. Um, the, the, they had beignets. So a little bit of a borrowing from Emerald's Bistro on the celebration in the Mardi Gras. Beignets was one of the desserts. So they had um, a great menu and it was fantastic for this for the sea day brunch. So they have 77 terraza cabins. Does it ever feel super packed in the back of the ship, though? It didn't. Um, it, it, there's definitely usually people back there enjoying it, but it never felt too crowded. It mm-hmm. never did feel too crowded. They, and, and they do have a lot of extra seating, a lot of um, kind of those two or three person um, couch type things with the wicker back couches. They, they, so there are plenty of seating back there. It never did feel too crowded. Um, and on this sailing, um, because it being the first sailing, um, everybody got to enjoy it with Christine Duffy. She was back there with us enjoying the views. Nice. Okay. So there was also two changes up there on the Lido deck. They actually moved the Java blue cafe. Normally it's on that main promenade. Now it's, on deck 10. They also have a new bar up there. Um, I think it's called Rococo. Correct. Yeah. There's an accent on the last O, which I don't know how to, uh, Ro- yeah, Rococo, I guess. I always call it Rococo, and I think that's wrong. Um, but yep. So that bar combines the blue iguana and the red frog. Um, so you can get your um, favorite tequila drinks or your rum drinks there. I, they don't really have the full menus of those two bars but they do have a full bar there so they have plenty of you know tequilas and rums to make whatever you want but their real specialty is frozen drinks think of it um as any of your favorite um frozen drink bars on land so there's i believe six or five different flavors that you can get and the great thing for these is that they're in those machines and they're ready to go so you can just go up there and, and they do have some combinations like a red, white, and blue and a rainbow one and an Italian flag one. So you can get combinations if you want, um, but they're just up there and, and they're quick. It's great for bartenders because they don't have to make two separate drinks every time you order a Miami Vice. They just go and hit both machines. And it's great for the guests because you're not having to wait for them to make two drinks for you. So 
Um, it's a great place if you want to get a quick uh, blended drink, a pina colada. They do have a blues margarita blended up there. They have a strawberry daiquiri, uh, pistachio dream, which is a new one, kind of Italian with a pistachio liqueur. So, um, and then they have a Bellini. So they have an orange one up there. So great place to go get a quick, uh, refreshing blended drink while you're enjoying the pool on a sunny day. If the line is too long there, or you want, you can't find a bar server, you can go up to 11 and there's a, gosh, I forgot the name of it. I think it starts with a P, that new bar up there on 11 on the uh, port side, Paroga. Correct. And I don't remember the name of it too. The interesting thing is when I looked, um, on the ship map, on the app, on the phone app, when you're on the ship, um, they don't actually list it hmm. up there. So it is. it was only open, I think, early in the day, if I recall correctly. Um, every time I walked by it, it was closed, but I know that there was people working at it like 11 o'clock. Uh, Pergola Bar, I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. So the Pergola Bar. And um, it's not open very long, but it is kind of nice and quiet up there. And it's a fairly small bar, um, but they have kind of your standard you know, standard bar drinks that you could maybe find at Atrium. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Because uh, it's a little different when you walk out there on that Lido deck compared to other ships. Yeah, the longest lines I saw was at the cafe, at the Java Blue Cafe. So for whatever reason, um, it is weird. And this is something unique with this ship is Java Blue Cafe was moved up to the Lido deck from down on deck five. Um, if you're just a coffee drinker, that's not a huge deal because every bar on deck five, except for Amari has an espresso machine. But if you want the milkshakes, you want any of those donuts, you do got to come up to deck 10 for that. And that place always had a line, probably the busiest place I saw on the ship. Um, Rococo never had too much of a line again, I think because they can serve so quick, um, guys has the normal lines during the lunch rushes. So nothing crazy there. So you'd see your normal kind of lines there. Um, so I didn't think the lines were too horrible. Um, on this four-day cruise, the, the worst time, I think, for food was when we got back from the Bahamas. Sorry, Bermuda, the other bee island. Um, when we got back from Bermuda, we had a really rainy day. And I think people kind of got back early and everybody was hungry. And you could not find any place with food without a crazy line at it. Um, but besides that, um, nothing worse than what you would see at any other ship. Now, with the pool deck, though, like, where, where was, like, how would you gauge that? Because on this ship, only deck 10 is basically wide open to direct sunlight. Um, otherwise, you have to go to the back of the ship. So where did, where were the sea days like by the pool is what I'm trying to say. I didn't spend a whole lot of time up there, um, t- to be honest. But from what I saw, it wasn't too bad. They're, they're getting a lot better at policing the, the chairs, I think, and not letting people just book them all day. You know, you do have the serenity if you're an adult to go to. And I believe on the top of deck 12, there is some seating up there as well around the waterworks. So it wasn't horrible. Um, But what was nice about the Lido deck, and and we encountered this when we were in Bermuda, it was raining really bad and all of us got soaked coming back to the ship. And they were very good and very quick at closing that top. So that is unique to the ship to her carnival counterparts is that she has a closing roof much like splendor did which was also at one point supposed to be a costa ship so um they're very good and very responsive on closing that lido roof which allows you to continue to enjoy the pool and enjoy the areas during you know not so sunny weather which is great for a ship sailing out of new york especially when she goes up to canada right so Mm -hmm. um that is the one real benefit to having this ship sail new york 
How about did you spend any time in this spa? Um, I did on um, the transatlantic. It is a unique spa, and it's unique because uh, for a few things. Um, it is only a one-deck spa. If you're used to the Panorama or the Horizon, they have a two-deck spa. Uh, because of that, the salon is actually on Tech 5 right in the Lido which is unique, but it, it, it fit in real well. I mean, the, what they did with the, with the salon, it looks really, really, really nice. Um, talking to some of the people on the ship, they even had to remove a couple cabins to add some more treatment rooms. That's how small this spa was. Um, if you are a fitness person, this one does not have the normal studio. They don't have any of the spin bikes that any other carnival ship has outside of this one. And then the Forenza when she comes out. So, um, that's a little bit unique. The locker rooms are very unique, uh, very Italian, I guess you would say, in that each of the, I'm assuming the women's one has the same thing, that there is like a one-person soaking tub in the middle of the locker room, which is weird when your ship has 4,000 people and one person gets to use the soaking tub. Um, but besides that, it was a, a very nice spa, just configured kind of different than what you're used to. So there's no thermal spa or thermal suite. So there's no like relaxing loungers or anything like that. But there are like the what the sauna, the steam room, and that one person soaking tub. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay. no, and yeah, you're right. No thermal suites on the ship, which that you have to think was because of the market it was designed for. Because mm-hmm. generally, I think Italians and Costa love very big spas. Uh, the Carnival Splendors spas. I think most people regard as to be the best in the fleet. And that owes to the fact that she was going to be a Costa ship at design. So um, that surprised me when I stepped on board and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a Costa ship, an Italian ship. I thought she would have had a very, very grandiose spa and it very much did not. Yeah. Cause those, those little Costa and the MSC cruise ships, like their spas legit take up a quarter of like deck eight. It's pretty wild how big yeah. the spas are. Yep. And, and, um, kind of a, a tangent from that, um, if I may briefly, one of the weird things about the ship, not weird, but, but different. And because of the market she was designed for is all of deck four. If you look at the old deck plans for this ship, um, all of deck four used to be casino. It's still mostly casino, but the new heroes tribute bar, which is beautiful on the ship because they got to design it from the ground up. Absolutely beautiful bar. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine Duffy had mentioned that that was a Mahjong room. So that was part of the casino. And I believe even the limelight lounge in the back was part of the casino. So this ship definitely was, um, you know, built for a different market. If you're on deck three and you go forward, um, you can find where they used to have a karaoke lounge and unlike carnival karaoke, which now is in Carnivale where, you know, everybody's just sitting around the karaoke machine, watching one person sing. They used to have individual karaoke rooms. So just you and your friends would sing kind of in private. Um, those rooms are there, just not used. It's just a dead space on deck three. So it, it definitely did have some elements that we're just not used to in the North American market. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Bermuda. What did you do in Bermuda? You said it was a little rainy there. So how was the experience? And it was a four night cruise. So how much time did you actually get in Bermuda? Uh, I think we were there till four thirty in the afternoon. Um, and it, the skies just opened up pretty early there. So, um, I personally just went off with some friends and we found a nice little cafe and had brunch and that's all we did. Um, the, it, it, it looked ominous from the, from the whole day. I, I feel bad for folks who this was their only trip and you know, they're just doing the four day and this is their only port mm-hmm. because, um, 
you know, it, it, it wasn't the best weather, but what can you do? It's the weather, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it is unfortunate, but you know, Bermuda is a, is a beautiful, beautiful Island. Um, it is, it, they were taking the U S dollar, which I thought interesting. I thought, and maybe just for us being there last time I was there, I thought they were still charging everything in the, in the Bermuda, uh, in the Bermuda currency, which is locked, I believe to the British pound, if I recall correctly, but, um, everything was in us dollars there. Um, you know, credit cards worked, so everything was, was great there, but the weather, um, wasn't the best. Um, but it, you know, getting back on the ship wasn't too bad. Um, so, you know, you kind of just make the best of it, but a lot of people came on the ship early, which is what caused all those lines for food that I mentioned earlier. Where the ship docks, is it pretty walkable to check out some things without having to hop in a cab and like go to the city center or anything like that? Oh yeah. It, it, it docks right in the middle of, I don't want to say town, but there's cat, there's cafes and rest restaurants and all that stuff right around. It's only, a it, it just as long the pier is like right next to everything. So it's not like a free port situation where you get off the boat to take a bus 20 minutes. So it's very, very, very walkable. But even in that five minutes it took to go from the cafe to the ship, we were drenched head to toe. That's how much the rain came down. Wow. Okay. All right. So you leave Bermuda after you're soaking wet, uh, you make your way back to the Manhattan cruise terminal. How was debark up there? Uh, debark was actually really easy. So they do have smile and go working now, which was great. Um, when we did the transatlantic portion, we didn't have smile and go and that had some lines. I mean, it was still fairly quick, but you you had to talk to somebody. It takes 30 seconds per person or whatever. This, it just took two seconds to look at the camera, you get the green light and you walk off. Um, so if you're not familiar with sailing out of New York, um, you get dumped out in the middle of midtown Manhattan in hell's kitchen. Uh, good luck. <laughs> so um, you kind of got to cross a big, busy street to get to where you can take Ubers, um, things like that. Um, the the one challenge that, that we had is I was on the nine o'clock bus to JFK Airport. I, I elected for the bus because it was 40 bucks and an Uber is at least 100. Um, however, I guess the nine o'clock shuttle was the last shuttle and their instructions were to not leave until everybody was on the bus. Um, and I don't know if the, the, the folks, the, the people at short excursion were very, very nice, very helpful, but they had mentioned that, you know, if you miss the nine o'clock bus, don't worry, another one will come. And that's not what happened. It's not that another one would come. They waited for you. We didn't have some people board that bus until 1045 because they basically waited to get kicked off the ship. So some people, we sat on the bus for almost two hours before we left. Um, So that's something that could definitely be worked on if you're not on that first bus. Um, Just the communication, making sure people understand that it is a nine o'clock bus and to be there at nine o'clock because um, some people... Yeah, sitting there doing nothing for two hours wasn't the, the best experience. Once we got on the road, very smooth, very easy to get to JFK. Got there a lot quicker than I thought we would, and maybe waiting around so much for rush hour to finish may have actually helped. Um, but that was the only kind of awkward thing getting off the ship was that was that shuttle to JFK and how long we waited around. Now that you're off the ship, if you could go back and tell Carnival anything about this ship, whether it be um, this ship is missing this or you could do this better. Uh, what are your thoughts there? What would you, what would you say? 
So one of the things that I miss on this ship, and I don't know how Carnival could fit it in, and it's just a change in the way they built the ship versus the Panorama, the Horizon, and the Vista, is the basketball court was lowered one deck on the ship. It used to be up on deck uh, 12, um, above Cucina del Capitano and Gigi. They lowered it down to deck 11, which effectively eliminates that space where Cucina and Gigi was. And I really miss Cucina and Gigi, Gigi especially. Um, El Viaggio is great, but Cucina was $18. And if you have a big group of friends, it was a great place to go, sample a bunch of food. Um, and, and Gigi, I think for me personally, is the best food that Carnival has on a ship um, outside of maybe Emeralds. So I do miss those venues there a lot. And I miss that during the sea days, maybe they were hiding it somewhere else. I never found it. But having access to that Mongolian walk, Mongolian walk and the pasta, the Chow Bello pasta bar that they have. Um, so that was the thing that I missed the most on the ship um, were those two. But the only other challenge with this ship, really, and it's not with the ship, it's just with its itineraries. It normally does these eight-day, seven-day itineraries. It's going to do a couple five-day itineraries to, to, um, to uh, New England and Canada. And then I think just to make the schedule line up, once in a while, it does this four-day to Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And uh, a four-day, if you've ever done a four-day sh- cruise on probably any cruise line, um, they're known as booze cruises. It's a nice long weekend. You know, it's a Thursday to Monday type cruise. Um, and people drink a lot and it's a party ship and that's fine. And that's, that's totally fine. And you know what you're getting into when you, you go on that. So nothing, um, nothing wrong with that, but most of the four and five day cruises are on ships that specialize in four and five day cruises. And they kind of get into that swing of, of four and five day cruises and how they operate. They operate very differently. Obviously the bars much busier than you're going to see in an eight day cruise, um, things like that. So when you only throw one of these in once a month to this ship, uh, it's pretty jarring for all the crew on board who've been used to doing these kind of more relaxing eight-day cruises who get thrown into this four-day real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ship, being as beautiful as it is, um, unfortunately, on those party cruises, people drink a little bit, um, saw a ceiling tile get destroyed or knocked out in the nightclub there's a lot of leaves that go up a lot of the columns that are very pretty and at 2 a.m you see a lot of the leaves on the ground that people have ripped out so i don't think this ship by the nature of her is really a good four-day ship because of just how elevated she's supposed to be and again just not being a four or five day type of ship where they run those all the time um it, it is not the same experience and it's probably not the same experience as a guest. You may be waiting a little bit longer for your drinks. They may run out of certain things just because this is not their standard of what they do on this ship. So, you know, if you live in New York, this may be your only option to do in a four, a four or five day. But if you're looking to fly in for a four or five day um, from some somewhere else, I would recommend if, if you're looking for a party cruise, you're looking to go out, you know, we saw a lot of bachelorette parties. If you're looking to have a good girls weekend away um, party, I would probably pick a four and five day out of say Miami, which is going to be more specialized and ready for a four or five day um, type environment than the mm-hmm. ship. Do you have any first time tips? I mean, that was a tip right there, but anything for someone who may be sailing Venezia for the first time? 
Um, it, you know, walk around, get the lay of the land of everything. Um, understand how the elevators work. These elevators are just like horizon and panorama. So you hit a deck number and then it's going to tell you a letter of which letter to go to. And the letter will light up. It'll make noise. Don't just get in the first elevator's doors you see open because you don't know where you're going to end up. So saw a lot of that, especially in the 15 day with people struggling with how the elevators work. Um, if you have a large group, hit that deck number more than once because it's going to know how many people are going to an elevator and it will know if it needs to pull another elevator to support the crowds. So learning the elevators is a big thing. Um, uh, if you're a new cruiser, please don't take your gratuities off at guest services. So many people like to do that. It's really not nice to the people who've been helping you. You, you know, a, a lot of people say they, they like to tip in person but you don't see all the people in the galley who've been working mm -hmm. to cook your meal, prepare your meal, um, things like that, that you never get to see in person to tip. If you have an opportunity to do terraza, um, it, especially if you get an upgrade, it can be a little bit expensive, but I know I talked to a lot of people who said they were offered upgrades to terraza. I had an upgrade offered to terraza that was really reasonable. Do it. Um, especially sailing in New York, that view on that terraza um, back the aft of deck five is absolutely beautiful for that sail away. So I highly recommend doing that as well. And for gosh sakes, when you get on board, just do the safety drill. The first thing like it's I was watching your ship sail and I just kept hearing on the loudspeaker. It was like getting closer and closer and closer to sail away. We still have 596 people who need to check in. We still have 488 people. We're waiting. Come on. Yes, for sure. And it does not take very long. It takes 30 seconds of your day. They've made it so simple. Um, but it's great because you actually get to ask questions. Um, it's a great, I've learned a lot in these in-person versus the old packy all in and do it in a big stage full of 500 people. Uh -huh. And you'd asked me about my cabin before. And what I loved about my cabin on deck three, since I was right next to guest services and you board right there on deck three, it took me, our cabins were ready when we got on board. And because I boarded a little bit late, I was able to go in, drop my stuff off go immediately to my embarkation station and do the, or the muster station and do that and getting off the ship because I was right on deck three. Normally it's a fight to take those elevators because everybody's got all their suitcases to get off the ship. I was able to walk right out of my cabin on deck three and walk right off the ship in 10 seconds. So nice. um, if you have options to get those ocean views on deck three, I truly think they've become my favorite cabin on the ship. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise since you spent, uh, what, 19 or 20 days on her? For me, and, and everybody's different, it was coming home to seeing a bunch of friends. So I like to do a lot of these inaugural cruises, and they take a lot of the same crew um, from one inaugural to another inaugural. So getting to see so many people that I've sailed with for so many days. And, and I think... Um, for me, that's what makes Carnival special is the family environment when it comes, you know, working with the, the bartenders and the housekeeping staff and the, um, and the staff in the dining rooms. And they remember who you are as long as you've made sure to become memorable in a good way. Um, so being able to just see old friends who I cruise with, either crew or guest, that was really, I think, the highlight for me. And they did a really good job. Um, the entertainment on the ship fantastic. Um, and, and they were doing some cool things, even on the four day, um, they have a concert, um, not concert, uh, what do they call orchestral orchestral, um, pianist on board. And he's great. Um, but this ship doesn't have the steakhouse next to the piano bar. Like you're used to in horizon and panorama where they open that door up and have the live piano while you're in the steakhouse. 
So I, initially I thought it was kind of weird that they would put him on this ship, but he would do a set early in the piano bar. And they also had him doing a lot of just random. He would play as an accompaniment to the violins. He would play as an accompaniment to the solo guitarist, to Reggie. And that was really cool to see kind of musicians work together and just, you know, not play their normal set list, but actually get to practice their craft. So the entertainment mm-hmm. on the ship has been just fantastic, hands down, probably some of the best I've seen on ships. Well, in closing here, Ben, your final thoughts of her. Oh, she's beautiful. And I, I hope she will remain beautiful, but that will kind of, uh, you know, we'll have to see. But it is an absolutely gorgeous ship. And I think uh, if you were lucky enough to sail on her, that first steps into the Piazza San Marco will take your breath away when you see just absolutely how gorgeous this atrium is. All right. Very good. So uh, you had I saw you walking around the ship with your camera. I know you've uploaded it somewhere. Yeah, I've got some video of both the Terraza aft balcony stateroom that I stayed in for the transatlantic and a video um, focusing on the Frizzante bar that I've got uploaded on my YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com slash Gustafson Travel. And that's where I've got all of that uploaded. Very good. We'll also link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Ben, it was good seeing you, my friend. Thank you so much for this detailed review. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's good to see you again, Doug. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.